Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Good afternoon, everyone. This is your call to worship. Today is the fourth Saturday of July 2021. Greetings on behalf of our pastor, Reverend Dr. Millicent Black. Welcome to Refuge from the Storm Church, a ministry of hope, encouragement, and purpose. We seek to serve targeted people in North America and around the world. To our regular members, our new listeners and guests, thank you for spending a portion of your Saturday with us. Your presence is very important to us, and thank you for coming. We pray that something that is said or done today will encourage you. Draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and God will exalt you. Remember, God is fighting your battles, arranging things in your favor, making a way even when we don't see it. Our serving team today is Brother Bob Pierce, who serves as the Zoom moderator, Sister Helena Thompson serves as our minister of music. She carefully makes the recorded music selections for the worship service and plays them. Then I, Carolyn Cunningham, present the invocation, the invitation to giving, and now the call to worship. Additionally, I serve as the worship leader. Sister Sharon Taylor will offer the altar prayer today. Our pastor, Reverend Milson Black, will offer the preached word and the announcements today, as well as the final remarks and the benediction. Sister Greta Ayers will offer the invitation to discipleship. A reminder to all listeners to pray for Refuge from Storm Church members, the Worldwide Church, for our families and friends, for all of us who are targeted throughout the world, for all advocacy and activist groups, for the eradication of the coronavirus, for the loved ones of victims of the coronavirus, for the restoration of the health of all those with the virus and other catastrophic illnesses, for all the loved ones who have lost their lives due to the miscarriage of justice by the police. For those peaceful protesters for Black Lives Matter who have been harmed by the police, pray for the police to learn how to appropriately administer justice. And finally, to pray for our leadership in this country and around the world. Thank you for your attention. Now, let us listen to the 
the opening praise and worship song. After that, I will lead you through the rest of the worship service. As a friendly reminder, please mute your phone if there's any background noise where you are. Thank you. Amen. Amen. I can tell you from experience and I can stand with my sisters and my brothers that we have learned the art of walking on by faith. I just saw uh, Sister Helena's message that says the, me the music was coming bad. So I guess you all didn't hear that very well, but you can indeed go to your YouTube channel and, and look up Walk On By Faith by Bishop, um, well, If I wasn't trying to get to it, I would remember. Bishop Paul, um, Bishop Paul Martin, Pastor. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. So I can assure you that collectively we are being challenged and assaulted and opposed. And we have learned the art of walking by faith and not by sight like you would not believe. And I believe that it's not just me and Sister Cheryl and Sister Helena, uh, Sister Lonnie, but others who suffer terribly from the assaults of the enemy, not just physically, but as you can see in our electronics and financially in any way they can think of. But that's because of whose we are. And it's because we won't quit. And that's so important in this day in which we live. Everything is coming out against those who would stand in faith and believe God, the creator of the universe. I give thanks and praise to God, my father, to Jesus, my Lord and my savior, and to the precious Holy Spirit for this day. I join Elder Carolyn in welcoming you to our service. It is with much appreciation that I present to you the ministry team who are, is comprised of the associate ministers, our Bible study leaders, our, our, our director of Christian education, our worship coordinator, and our advisors. Let me personally thank each of you for your commitment to the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks also to Sister Helena Thompson, who is our music minister, and you all the kinds of attacks and assaults that she endures day by day in her fragile state is a real testimony to the power of God in the life of a believer. One little tidbit about Sister Helena, for those of you who may not know her, she used to be a prayer warrior on the was this the 700 Club? Yes, it was. A prayer warrior on the 700 Club. So you see, she's been an enemy of the, ad, uh, of the adversary for a long time. They know her by name and they know her by prayer. And so that's caused her to be especially picked out to be picked on. And so we want to add her to our prayer list and increase the prayer uh, covering for her 
as she went from, from praying to praying over the music, praying over the people, and she still does pray over the people, but now she prays over the music that's selected and she does a marvelous job. Also, there's Brother Bob Pierce, who became our Zoom manager, and he manages the channels each week. We thank you for your time, your talent, and your treasure. Now, these services that we are allowed to attend week after week are accomplished by God's grace through a conference call, through Zoom, and through other mediums, though we live all across the United States. So let us give God thanks for being so good to us. The message this afternoon is coming from a couple of places. Uh, we, we are studying in our chronological Bible. We've been studying uh, the last month, the Kings, up to the time of the Kings, and this month into the Kings and the Prophets. And so today I, I, I was working on one message earlier in the week. And uh, as I began to look for other resources, I came back across this particular message that I've shared before, but I've, God has given me some new revelation on it. And it's not going to be exactly the same for those of you who may think you've heard it already. Second Kings chapter two, verse three. And 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 15. From the New American Standard Bible, verse 3 of 2 Kings chapter 2 reads, Then the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Be still. And then verse 15 reads, now when the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho opposite him saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah rest on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. Let us pray. Great and mighty God, we come today, Lord, thanking you for this, another opportunity to stand before you, oh God, as an empty vessel before a full fountain. Father God, you are the one who is able to fill my cup, God, not just to the full, but to the overflow so that those who are listening today, oh God, will know that I've been with you. Father God, I do pray that you, God, would anoint your word, God, anoint your people with courage and with stamina and with strength, God. Grant us your grace and your mercy, Father. I pray, God, today that as you continue to give us challenges, as you continue to urge us to come up higher, Lord, as you continue to remind us that it's not by power nor by might, but by your spirit that we can speak to the mountains and cry grace unto them and they must be removed. God, we just yield to you today. Holy Spirit, have your way in Jesus name. Amen. So the title of the message today is, would you be a prophet? Would you be a prophet? 
A modern day example of the school of the prophets, as you heard in the reading of the scripture, can be found in seminaries, Bible colleges, Bible schools, and divinity schools that are part of some colleges and universities. Here in Tennessee, Vanderbilt University has, has a divinity school. And these institutions are training leaders of the church. These are places where men and women go to obtain education for service in the house of God. Such training will include biblical interpretation, New and Old Testament, Hebrew and Greek language, ethics and morality, practical and systemic theology, religion, culture, and society, worship and the sacraments, world religions, and evangelism. The course that most closely resembles what might have been taught to the prophets in Old Testament times is called work of worship. This class teaches one how to appreciate the various parts of a worship service from the call to worship to the benediction. This coursework and others can be found in the school of the prophets and would include things like selection of the worship songs, like those that were written by King David in the book of Psalms. It includes asking God for wisdom and studying the sections on how to have your own personal devotion, as well as how to lead others in the art of worship to the almighty God. Some of the less heard of School of the Prophets have become more widely known since COVID-19 shut the churches down and they are being offered through Facebook, through Zoom and YouTube. Prayer warrior John Eckhart, some of us have his books on our bookshelf, one of them very familiar prayers that root demons is offering instructions to those who recognize the call of God on their lives. Just last week, three nights last week, he was offering a three-day, week before last, it was the three-day um, conference to those who feel the call to preach. One of my D-men cohorts, cohorts, Bishop Kenny Paramore is offering classes for the training of a prophet. In fact, he has started a Bible school. Bishop Darren Moore told us at Seminary Intensive a few years ago that we are now living in a not-for-profit culture, P-R-O-P-H-E-T. Now, we're familiar with the term not-for, P-R-O-F-I-T, but we need to know and to understand that today the words and the person of a P-R-O-P-H-E-T is not so welcome among those who don't want to know the truth. He said he's not talking about P-R-O-F-I-T, which is what I just explained, but the P-R-O-P-H-E-T is what's so needed and necessary in the world. This world in which we now live has allowed the darkness in to the magnitude that the season of itching ears is upon us. Those days when men would not want to hear sound doctrine. At Bible study this week, we talked about days of Elijah and Elisha, the school of the prophets and what Elisha did to obtain the double portion of the anointing of God. 
Word from God had been received that Elijah was nearing the end of his time here on earth. And did you notice it was the school of the prophets that came to tell Elisha that they had heard the news straight from God. It's something to live so close to God that you hear from him. It's something to live so close in community as did those with the school of the prophets that they were all being trained to hear the voice of God. They were all being admonished on how to seek his face. Boy, I'm telling you those days that we spend, you and I, spend in personal devotion is the beginning of the way we seek God and get to the place where we can hear him, the reading of the scripture in your personal time, not when we're hurrying through the Bible at Bible study, but in our personal time or those days that God gets to speak to us as he expounds on the scripture and shows us things we had not seen before or would not see without that time alone with God. I used to like going out to our, our, our local county park and going up to the farthest hillside and sitting under a tree in my car. Now, y'all, I'm scared of bugs, and so I wouldn't be sitting on the ground. I've desired to, but I wouldn't be doing it. And sitting under the tree for hours, just reading the Bible and underlining it and writing in the margins what I hear God say to me while I read. That's how we get to know and to recognize and to understand the word of God. In fact, God had instructed Elijah to, in, to anoint Elisha as the one to continue to carry the torch for the service of the Lord here on earth. Elijah and Elisha had been known for training groups of men for service in the temple. These men were called a company or a school of prophets. In military terms, as Sister Cheryl can tell us, a company is a unit usually consisting of 80 to 150 soldiers who were commanded by a major or a captain. The different schools of the prophets consisted of 50 to 100 men who were being trained for service to the Lord. So today we're 16 people, 15 people gathered together being trained for the service of the Lord. In the school of the prophets, Elijah was called the designated master and Elisha was called master. Elisha also called Elijah father which had the connotation of Elisha's right to the birthright, which has significant value to the firstborn son in a family where the worship of God is concerned. You all will remember that big battle over the birthright in, with uh, Jacob and Esau and how Jacob sold his birthright for, for just a bowl a stew because he was too lazy to go out and kill the, 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 the animal himself and come back and prepare the food. And so he said to his brother, if you'll just give me that porridge, you can have my birthright. Well, the birthright is so important that when Abraham and Sarah went ahead of God and created a child with, uh, between Abraham and, and, Han, and Haggai, they were out of order. 
That was not the order God had ordained, nor had God intended to bless. And God would not bless that union the way Sarah wanted. But God determined that the firstborn would be the one who would carry the covenant with him from the father. Y'all hear that? The firstborn would be the one to inherit the covenant with God from the father. So now we became the firstborn of Jesus Christ from the dead. We carry the covenant, y'all, with the father. And the father is God almighty. Samuel was noted as the first leader of a school of the prophets. Samuel was trained by Eli, who was the head of the temple and of temple worship. Y'all hear that? The prophet also leads in worship. And, and the way we learn to worship is by worshiping. We spend that time in God's presence. We feel that shift in our spirit when God comes in and begins to inhabit our praise. So after he had anointed Saul with oil as king, Samuel sent Saul to the location of the school of the prophets in Bethel, where Saul ran into the anointing of the Lord that gave Saul the spiritual power to lead God's people. Saul told, uh, Samuel told Saul, go over there where they are. Now, they, the prophets were in training. The prophets were being trained to hear God and to recognize the presence of the spirit. And God didn't tell Saul to go over and sit under the tree until the spirit came. He wanted him to go over where the men were that he knew was hearing from him. And he recognized that they were open to the power and the presence of the spirit so that Saul would see by example what happens when God shows up. Now, I get excited about that because that's what God allows us to do as we come together to worship week after week, as we come together to pray Wednesday, Thursday, Friday morning, as we come together to study the word together, we are able to see and to recognize what happens when God shows up. So after Saul gets over to where the school of the prophets were, the Bible tells us that those prophets had some things with them, some instruments, if you will, by which they were encouraging the presence of God. They were encouraging the kind of, oh goodness, the kind of, of freedom in the spirit that would allow us to enjoy his presence when he got here. So the prophets began to play the harp and the tambourine and the flute. Notice they didn't have the, the community choir to come sing and they didn't have the, the orchestra to come bring their parts. No, those who were being trained to speak for God were the ones being trained to learn to learn how to embrace the presence of God and to encourage him to show up when they played. So they had harps and tambourines and flutes and lyres before them. And the word says, and they will be prophesying. 
We have to get to that place you are where we can just wait and worship. Just wait in listening to the words of God, to the songs of God. And sometimes just the music can pull us so into his presence and invoke God in so much power in our midst that we won't be able to stand. And it says, then the spirit of the Lord will come upon you mightily and you shall prophesy with them and be changed into another man. You remember what happened to Saul after he had sinned against God and the anointing was lifted from him. He was changed back into that old man. But can you imagine what it's like to be in God's presence and his power be so much upon you that you are changed into a totally different being? To be in praise and in worship or to be in Bible study and prayer, to be just sitting quietly and all of a sudden you feel that warmth of his presence or that sweet aroma of his fragrance and you know that the Lord is here. God allowed Saul to experience that with all of those who were used to experiencing that. That was a regular occurrence in their life, just like it should be a regular occurrence in our lives. Because once Jesus got back to heaven, his promise to us was, I'll never leave you, nor will I forsake you. Even we are promised to become new when the Holy Spirit moves into our temple. We can enjoy singing. What a uh, we can enjoy. We can joyfully sing. What is a wonderful change in my heart has been wrought since Jesus came in to my heart. What a wonderful change has been wrought in my life since Jesus came into my heart. See, it's one thing for the heart to be changed, but when the whole life is changed, y'all, everything's changed. My walk, my talk, my giving, my loving, my forgiving, all of it gets changed. So Saul became a changed man by the power of the Holy Ghost. Have you ever gone to a church service where the power of God was so strong that the whole house seemed happy? Everyone who stood to speak was right in tune with the Holy Spirit. Many testimonies have come from those who went to the church one way and they left another. They may have gone down with a heart heavy and came away with their heart rejoicing. Some went in limping from, from pain in their body. And during the service, they say, I can't remember when exactly, but it left because the spirit of God took its place. Some of them go in with child problems and marital problems and they go out and God has taken care of all of that. I remember hearing of one person who went to church and their husband had just been in a real bad place and their marriage was on the brink of breaking up and this person had just been fasting and begging and pleading and getting others to pray and ask God to save her husband and to save her marriage. And I don't remember, I think it may have been a, a, a revival list in town. And somehow y'all during the revival, this woman's husband comes to church and gets saved because of the power of God. 
That's why we like to pray that you won't leave the way you came in Jesus' name. We want there to be a change, a transformation in your life, in your situation or your circumstances. We want you to leave knowing that you can't live without the presence of the Lord. That's why we buy tapes and CDs and uh, subscriptions to satellite that feeds our, our uh, phones and our, our uh our cars, you know, the radios are now ran by satellite because we can't stand to be without the presence of the Lord. That old adage, wise men do still seek Jesus and so do wise women. There was reported to be six different locations of the School of the Prophets. Two of the most important ones to me were Ramah, which was the birthplace of Samuel and it means the spoken word of God and Jericho, meaning walk by faith. Jericho was also the location of a training center for the prophets of God. And it was also the location that Elijah gave his last address to the sons of the prophets. Imagine in his last address, he says, I brought you to this place, Jericho, because I want you to always remember to walk by faith. That was another very important event that took place at Jericho. We saw the power of God win an impossible victory through the obedience of Israel as they walked around the wall at Jericho. It was their walk and their shout that caused God to make the walls fall. Anyone who answers the call to a fivefold ministry or just determines to fulfill the great commission of Jesus Christ must walk by faith. You must know that you will come up on days when your next step is simply in faith that God won't let you fall. That's called learning dependence on God. My research tells me that the prophets were taught specifically what to do when the spirit of the Lord came upon them. They would open their mouths and utter the words by the spirit of God. That's what we do when we pray. That's what we do when we sing sometimes. Any of you ever open your mouth and a brand new song came out? My mother in the gospel, now deceased, Pastor Rosanna Carroll, told us of her training in the prophetic. She told us how they were taught to pray and tarry for God's presence and for God's power. She would tell us when she ministered that she would not allow the attention to be upon her. She didn't want us to look for her to do anything. She wanted us to look to God. Now we're told in 1 Samuel 19 that Saul also prophesied when he yielded to the spirit. Actually, he couldn't help but to, to yield because he was being overtaken by the spirit. Everybody in the place had the power of God upon them and they were inviting his presence. And you know what? Saul sent some assassins after David one time and David was over there in the camp with the prophets. And guess what happened to the assassins? They began to prophesy. The power of God is able to subdue everybody that comes into his presence, no matter what your agenda is. What is important about Saul prophesying under the anointing is that it wore him out. 
afterwards. It said that it took him a day and a night to recover from this experience. That's some, some kind of power, y'all. I'd love to have some of that right now. The anointing carries weight. My mother in the gospel told us that when the anointing lifts, that the servant is left weak from the weight of the power. Now, this is consistent with the advice that came to us from uh, Benny Hinn. You all may be familiar with this crusadist. We attended one of his crusades and his warning was that the days are coming that if the anointing within us is not able to match the anointing that God will send upon us, we will not be able to stand. What he meant is that we must live a life that is so prayed up, so fasted up, so worshiped up, and a life of repentance so that we might be able to survive the weight of the presence of God when God comes among his people. You can tell that his coming is near because the enemy wants to keep us so busy fighting him or them that we don't have time to pray, fast, or worship, or even play our music during worship service. People, it's no joke. In these days that we're living, we have to live as if Jesus is coming any minute. And that minute is quickly dwindling down to any second. And don't forget that before Jesus comes, God says he will pour out of his spirit upon all flesh. Don't you see the devil has most of the people in such a state of rebellion through their submission to this evil program that they won't be able to stand? No wonder the people used to sing that Jesus is getting us ready for that great day. And then the question was asked, who shall be able to stand? There's so much perver per perversion that is being accepted. So many Christians are conspiring with the enemy, even against us, their sisters and their brothers. Who will be able to stand? You remember that when Elijah complained to God that he was the only prophet left after Ahaz and Jezebel had killed the prophets of, of God, that God told Elijah, I still have 7,000 prophets who have not bowed their knee to Baal. In 1 Kings, there was a man named Obadiah who had hidden two groups of prophets in caves and fed them until it was safe for them to leave. The point is that God was never and will never be without a spokesperson for the people of God. At different junctures of biblical history, Israel found themselves in captivity and other hard places. But God always provided a man of God or a woman submitted to God to lead God's people until they were free once again. Right now, any one of us is in position to lead a group of God's people until we're free. In the Old Testament, there were 12 minor prophets. And though they were listed as minor, each one of them had a special role to play during the captivity and release of Israel and Judah. 
Only five major prophets were used by God during the journey of Israel through biblical history that was recorded in the books we study now. Isaiah announced the end of the first era of Babylonian captivity. Jeremiah and Lamentations were written by the one who God chose before he was formed in his mother's womb to be a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah was also called the weeping prophet because he often was found in tears over the state of Israel. Ezekiel and Daniel are known for their contribution to end time prophecy, some of which we are still waiting to come to pass. Today, because of the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we, you and me, are in an informal school of the prophets, and many have paid for the formal education. However, I can say that you are also in the school of prophets because of the great commission. Jesus gave the commandment to go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. Every disciple of Jesus Christ receives the same commission and that makes you a prophet. The role of the prophet in the Old Testament was very much limited to preparation for the service in the temple, prayer, study of the word of the Lord, preparation of the music, preaching, which included everything the people needed from giving instruction for living to prophesying the future under the unction of the anointing and doing whatever God said, whether in the temple or in the nation, that's our job description, y'all. We each have those same assignments. One thing that has been inescapable, inescapable by any soldier in the army of the Lord is suffering. People like to tell me that you can't lead where you haven't been. You can't teach what you don't know. And to much whom is given, much is required. I heard a preacher say once that he wished that God didn't trust him so much. I can agree with that many days. Every true prophet in the Bible though and in the world today finds themselves in places of suffering. Some of the suffering is sent by God and some God allows. In the song, Walk On By Faith that we heard earlier, Pastor Paul Morton sings the, song that includes the word, God is able to carry the load. And he sees what's way down the road. So walk on by faith each day. Suffering is a required course in the service of the Lord. Some say if they had known it would mean so much trouble, they would have never accepted the call to ministry. Others join the church expecting that all their troubles will be over. That's so far from the truth. Others don't accept the call at all by pretending that they didn't hear God speak. Still others accept the call and run back as soon as the going gets tough. I found in an article published by King Watch these words. Many are eager to wear the prophet's mantle but don't want to bear the Christian's cross. The apostle Paul says it another way. If you are to reign with Christ, 
you must suffer with him. Then to the church at Philippi, Paul wrote that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. We all want the glory and glitter of being a popular pastor or leader, but we fail to recognize that it was not glim nor glitter at the beginning. There is some suffering documented in the annals of their journey and their journals. The master teacher of the prophets and the commander in chief of the army of God is Jesus the Christ. He started his career in the temple at 12 years old, debating with the scribes. He chose 12 disciples at the age of 33 and to them he imparted the wisdom, knowledge and anointing necessary to get the word started to the uttermost ends of the earth. Jesus did not have a pulpit in a mega church. The world was his pulpit or a boat on the lake. He did not have a home in the burbs as they are called today, nor did he drive a luxury car. He did not have to get a PhD, an MDiv or a doctorate degree. He just taught as the master, his father God had taught him. What did God teach Jesus? What is Jesus teach? What did Jesus teach the disciples? And what is he saying to us today? Jesus taught the disciples how to pray. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. He taught the disciples how to recognize a thief by his modus operandi. The thief comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and that more abundantly. Jesus taught them how to live in this world. In this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Jesus taught the disciples to trust God for the impossible. He told them with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Now, this is this, the scripture that got my attention early in the week. And I was going, I was working on another message altogether different. And I was brought back to this one. But we have to remember that though our situations seem impossible, Y'all can't understand what it's like to not be able to walk, not because your legs are, are not working properly, but because frequencies are being sent to your body to make it hurt with every step. You can't imagine what it's like to have energy directed to your shoulder and, and, and the perpetrator wake you up all through the night to make sure that you knew that he was sending energy to your shoulder. And by the same token, I can't imagine some of the horrible things that you go through. But what I do know is that though it seems impossible that we're going to make it through this thing some days, other days it seems impossible that we're going to make it through the night or even through the next second, we can be assured that though it seems impossible for us, Though the governor and the city manager and the mayor and even the police and the FBI do not respond to us in the way we need them to, with God, all things are possible. And then Jesus taught the disciples to die for their friends, 
Greater love he taught has no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. Jesus called us friend. Then he laid down his life for you and for me. So how would you rate your stay in the school of the prophets? I ask you individually, how would you rate your stay since you've begun your walk with Christ? Since you've experienced all of the things that the disciples had to go through, you've been learning how to pray and we are ever learning. We are, we are learning how to recognize the thief as soon as he show up. And sometimes we can recognize the rumble of the sound of his coming. We've been learning how to live in this world with cheerfulness, allowing the joy of the Lord to be our strength. And though we seem to run upon these impossible situations, even our perpetrator and his weapons are possible for God to stop at the appointed time. And we are learning to die daily. And the challenge still comes, but will you die for your friend? In this world, we are having the tribulation of a lifetime. Our faith tells us that though it's bad, nothing is impossible with God. We recognize the thief when he comes and through prayer, we are kept ready for the battle and to encourage one another. So where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? I start by thanking God that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That means God is regularly visiting us and we can continue in the presence of him who called us as we worship. Would you be a prophet? Amen. Amen. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 